It's time for this week's Uplift. Three ordinary guys that want you to find the freedom that is available by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. So sit back and enjoy Uplift, brought to you by the Fulcrum Center. Visit our site at thefulcrumcenter.org. The, the leading of the Spirit. How do you know when the Holy Spirit, it's really the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. And <coughs> one that I asked myself for a long time, and I just got to the point where I learned to just trust, to understand, to experience, to know that it was him leading and just walk in the flow. And that's when things got better for me. I had to determine that it would be better to make a mistake trying to listen yeah. than to be so scared of not hearing correctly that I don't do anything. And so, like, I had to be willing to be like, okay, well, I'm going to take a step even if it's not the Holy Spirit because I'm going to trust that he's going to show me even when I'm wrong, at least I'll be learning. Absolutely. So, I, You know, we can paralyze ourselves if we don't because mm -hmm. we can get so stuck in, well, I don't want to make a mistake that we don't do anything. And then we're like that in the parable of the talents, the one who buried his talent. Yeah. And that's a big mistake. So, yeah, I do that, too. And, you know, I try to do it with some discernment, not just all willy-nilly. But if it's if it's a crossroads and, you know, do I take the path less traveled or the one with snow all over it? Or, you know, I just, okay, God, I don't hear a clear direction, so I'm going to step out mm -hmm. and redirect me if I go wrong. And, and it usually works out pretty well. Yeah, you know, if you don't, if you're so scared of the things of like making those mistakes, you know what we actually become is Pharisees. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pharisees were quoting all the time the things people could not do. Yeah, that's right? very like, true. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. You cannot. Yeah. Well, why? Because, well, God's not going to like, and a lot of that had nothing to do with the Lord. But right. they were so afraid of breaking God's command. That they didn't do anything. That was really Jesus's problem with him. He's like, well, that's the problem. You don't do anything, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and you train others not to do anything, and then so nobody does anything. But you, yet you say you're righteous, right? And so, yeah, and they became so, so far from what God had intended the law to be, it became a completely different entity, mm -hmm. you know. And and Jesus tried to show us that. And if we study what he said instead of what the Pharisees said, we'll go a lot farther. Yeah. You know, the other day I was listening to uh, somebody talk, and they said they went to Israel, and they said on the Sabbath, the elevators automatically stop on every floor because pushing the button for the elevators considered work. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they said they, they went on to this whole discussion about how you know, even in modern times that, you know, people completely, totally miss what God was shooting for with the Sabbath. Yeah. You know, that yes, we we're we were in God created the Sabbath for people to rest in him and not and, and to realize that their own work they don't that you know, God was in, in whole intent with with the Sabbath was in the under the old covenant was hey listen uh, you know, don't rely on your own work. I'll provide for you on the seventh day. You know, I'll give you enough out of my own uh, mercy and grace and love to get you through the seventh day. You don't have to work with your hands. Well, now people won't even press in the button for an elevator. The elevator wow. stops on every floor. That's and amazing. It is. It's crazy. But, you know, this is what we do as people, you know, like, we, we tend to go into our own work. You know, we rely on ourselves and we, and we rely on our own understandings. And that's where we miss it. And, and so that's what takes us straight into um, unbelief. Because we believe mo more in our own work than we believe in God and his entire intent of saying that he did the work for us. Yeah. And, and you know, it's with good intention. 
Like the intention <laughs> is to follow God, but it ends up taking you away from him. Mm. Right? So like the whole the whole point was, well, I don't want I want to follow the Lord, and then it ends up being like, well, wait a second, where'd you end up with? You know, when Moses came off the mountain, he had six hundred and thirteen laws mm. that that had been written. Uh, when he <laughs> when he <laughs> comes to Jesus' time, they have over two thousand mm. a day. Yeah. Modern Israel has over 18,000. Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was yeah, that so, many. Yeah, you just, can you imagine, like, just think of how how our religiosity or, or, you know, judgment over what the law should be, how it grows, right? Because we, and, it, and it's not like it's grown in good understanding. And funny, too, because that elevator situation, if I go over to Israel and it's on the Sabbath, some Jewish people will wait on the elevator, and if the elevator's not going to stop and ever flip, they'll act. They'll actually ask if they don't want to wait. They'll ask a Gentile to push the button. <sighs> you know why that is? No, because they assume Gentiles are already going to hell. <laughs> and so, hey, look, you're already breaking God's law, right? Yeah. So, so there's no point in me breaking it too. But if you're already breaking it, hey, why don't you push that button for me? And, mm. Right. So in their mind, like that's that's okay. They have a, a Sabbath Gentile who works for them. <laughs> oh, so, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So that's the epitome, right? And there's there's all kinds of crazy laws that were there. Uh, the Pharisees, you know, they once argued with Jesus about how far somebody could walk. Mm -hmm. Right. They they uh, they didn't like the man picking up his mat and going home, even though he had been healed. They were picking on the fact that. Oh, he's breaking the Sabbath law. Yeah. Like this guy has been lame for 38 years. You think he really cares about that? Do you think he honestly could? God just told him, you're healed. Go ahead and go home. Pick up your mat. You're not You're not going to need it, right? Pick it up. Take it home. You think that, they, that he's going to care about your law on the Sabbath, right? Like that's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, just all kinds of laws. Uh, it was illegal for a woman to look in the mirror on the Sabbath because she would want to comb her hair. Ah, uh, yeah. And if she combed her hair too many times, see, that would be work. So there's all kinds, there was all kinds of laws about this, about what you could or could not do, all these kinds of things. Um, yeah. There are Jewish people today who have um, two different sinks so that they don't mix dairy and meat together. You know, they wash their utensils. This is the dairy sink and this is everything else sink to, to keep kosher because all because, and it's said three times. Now, when something's said three times, it's pretty important. Do not boil a, a baby goat in its mother's milk. <coughs> but that didn't mean don't eat a cheeseburger. Right, exactly, right. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, you, uh, so what's the deal? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to break God's command. So it ends up with, yeah. Don't put dairy and meat together. There's yeah. even a rule about that. You can't eat. You can't eat them three. You have to wait for three hours because yeah. otherwise, um, yeah. zoning laws. You know how we have like commercial sites and residential sites in Israel. You can't have a like that. There has to be a dairy section even with commercial properties versus mm. a meat section like you can't put them on the same like even touching each other so even their commercial buildings won't do that so so like i mean it's it's a yeah it's a big deal like yeah. that's a serious serious business so yeah isn't that crazy that we do that in our minds and we call that god's will yeah yeah mm -hmm. i mean we're we're making we're sitting here talking about the jews but there's things that we do as well that mm -hmm. It could be a tradition. It could be just something that, um, like, yeah. saying a prayer in Jesus' name at the end. Using that, there's some people that say that will get upset if you don't say in Jesus' name. That's not in the Bible. That's it's. I see it as an honorary thing, not that I'm getting more power out of my prayer with that. Mm -mm. So yeah, we do stuff like that too, and sometimes without even realizing, we get taught. Yeah. You know, get taught yeah. in church. Yeah, today at lunchtime, uh, I, I walked down. Today's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. 
I walked down to uh, Center Market where Coleman's Fish Market was. Hmm. You couldn't get in the door. Yeah. Why? <laughs> because people people won't eat meat, you know, on Fridays. During Lent. Lent. Yeah. You know, and, and now there's this meme that I see that out on social media. And it's all over the place. And people are are saying, you know, you know, basically all these people had sex before they were married, but yet they can't eat a cheeseburger on Friday because <laughs> they did, you know. Yeah. And and I see this and I'm like, Oh, that's a they got a point. <laughs> and when well, was that, that's what Jesus said. He said you cast away the weightier things of the law for the sake of your own. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, we, we, we get rid of real holiness for the sake of upholding our own ideas, right? When did Lent start? Wasn't it in like the third or fourth century AD? I, I don't know for sure, but I think it wasn't mm-hmm. something that Jesus or Paul or any of them instituted. Now, I know that there's, you know, people will come up with a biblical reason for Lent, you know, the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness or whatever, but. Well, there's nothing wrong with honoring the Lord, like having holidays Absolutely. to honor the Lord. It's just when we when we make that a a law of holiness, like yes, if yes. you don't do this, yes, somehow you're sinning, yes, or you're against God, and it's like, well, no, that's that's not what that means. Like, and that's the point Jesus was making, even about the Sabbath, because they were all big about the Sabbath, right? But even the Sabbath, he was like, I gave the Sabbath to serve you. Yeah. Not for you to serve it, right. right? And so if we start thinking, if we start, if we start that principle there, right? So here's here's the Messiah, the Living Word, commenting on the Written Word, right? And what is his comment? You need to start with the understanding that Sabbath is a servant for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's that's a different ball game. All of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, it becomes submissive to us, and so. And then, well, then how, what's the point? Well, God wants us to be able to rest, right? That's the whole point, right? You need rest or you're going to have a heart attack. Right. Okay, good idea, Lord. I don't want to have a heart attack. I agree with you. Burn yourself out. So hallelujah for Sabbath, right? But there should be like, it should be that honor. That's why Jesus did not. Could you imagine if Jesus would have told us how often to do communion or baptisms? Yeah. Oh, we would have made that like, that would have been very strict and, Instead, he says, as often as you do this, right? He doesn't, he doesn't give a limitation to it because, hey, if you want to do this every day to yeah. honor him, then do yeah. it every day, right? If you want to do this once a month or you want to do this once a quarter, you want whatever, but as often as you do it, it's, it's glorious, it's wonderful, it, lets, it represents the Christ and, and we're going to honor him in it. And you know, but Paul we're not Pitt, going to make the sacraments themselves like the holiness of God. Yes, it's the oh, it's yes. a celebration of what God has done. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> um, and you know, Paul picked up on that in Romans fourteen when he said, "You know, one person honors one day over another." You know, <clears throat> so I, and the reason I bring that up is recently heard someone say that. If you're not celebrating communion every week in your church, what's that say about how you feel about what Jesus did? And I'm like, what? every time we take part in it, we celebrate and we honor what Jesus did. We do it in remembrance of him. So how does that, you know, why does it matter if we do it quarterly or weekly? And, of course, you know, the question was raised, well, it becomes religious. And anything can become religious, it's not just if you do it weekly, anything can become religious. But um, there was an answer for that, too. And, and it's it was a placement of the heart. And, and sure, you're absolutely right. But again, whether you do it weekly or monthly or quarterly, it's it's the position of the heart that matters. Well, and we're not against tradition. Right. Tradition's a good thing. Right. Uh, there's one tradition we celebrate every year that I think we should continue to celebrate, and I call it my birthday. I knew you were going to say So that. I think that's important, right? Like, hey, let's just celebrate my birthday. Feel free to bring gifts. Right? You know, free self-serving. But, but the reality is, like, every one of us are, like, celebrating our birthdays, right? And none of us look at that and go, now you got to do it this way. 
And so the audience knows you can tell that he's not 50 yet because I quit celebrating my birthday four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> well, I got a theory. I, I always tell people I got a theory. You know, nobody knows when Jesus was born, but I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around April 30th because um, he was born when, in the spring. He was born with all the other lambs, probably, right? And I'm yeah. pretty sure that was probably somewhere right around the end of April. Um, and the other uh, collaborating evidence I have for that is that April 30th is my birthday. So I oh, just want to share okay. a birthday with Jesus. And so, of course. Of <laughs> right, course. So, uh, so I know so I'm going to get a bunch of hate yeah, questions say, and emails over this. Oh, there. We're going to put uh, Robert's, Robert's mailing address at the end of this video. Right, yeah, so you right, can right. Send just him send a card. Hate mail. It's, it's, fine. it's fine. No, send you a card with a, a gift card in it to celebrate April 30th. Second Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is I think this is the thing that again, what going back to Romans fourteen, what Paul's expressing. As believers, we are free in Christ to Absolutely. enjoy our salvation oh. and to enjoy what he's done. And these other things that kind of crowded out, it ends up becoming um it ends up becoming a legalistic mm-hmm. thing that it just kills our joy. Sure All of a sudden, does. grace is no longer grace, right? Now it's it's really just law, and we just have to serve law. And the law is, again, a, something else the Scripture tells us, the law was not meant to make us subservient to it. We are supposed to serve, like it's supposed to serve us. Right. It's a guardian for us so that we don't, you know, go astray, right? But we're not, you know, we're not supposed to be serving it so that it, it's a weight on us, right? And so the reality is, like, Jesus is like, I'm, I'm here to set you free from that. But why? Because it's grace. You can't be saved by that anyway. So, you know, and that's and that's the key, right? And so we got to be careful about those things that we hold up so high and consider that, like, the holiness of God. Um, and we do that dangerously in our culture. We do that dangerously in our churches. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's it's scary. Like, you know, I, I gave I give a warning. Like, I, there was once a person that told me, you know, I saw a child running in our sanctuary. To me, children playing and having fun, they're just doing what kids do. Now, I don't want kids to run in our sanctuary with this intent. I see liabilities because we have, like, chairs and I just see a kid tripping and boom, right? And then I'm thinking, oh, that's not going to be good to have to take him to the hospital and all this. Kind right, of stuff. right. But as far as running in the sanctuary and stuff, there's this idea like that's irreverent. And I just kind of wonder, like, I, I actually asked some people before I said, how do you know where the holiness of our sanctuary, like the reverent part stops? So like when the guy laid the carpet down, <laughs> did he pray when he laid that strip that separate, cause we have a shotgun church. It's just the carpet. And then right into the fellowship hall. I'm like, how do you know where this, where that ends? Like does God's oh, spirit yeah. end right there. Like right, <laughs> right there where they put the carpet strip down. Right. And right. like, did he pray about that? Are we sure that's where that ends? Right. Like, you know, and so, but we have these strange ideas. We, we think like, because we can see that separation, we think that this part's holy. So no eating, drinking, running in this part. But over here, on the other side of that carpet strip, all of that's okay. And like it's it's like, well, what what makes it different? That strip that was bought from Lowe's? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that what if, you know, so like what you see what I'm saying? Like if we really think about what we're doing, what what are we doing? Like what is what is the thing we're saying about that? Right. And so, right. you know, I just I think we've got to be careful about uh, what we call sacred and holy uh, and be careful not to make it a an idol, like a sacred cow in our life. And because and, then what happens, you know, Jesus is going to enter our life and he's going to mess our world up. He's going to mm-hmm. come in there and do something that you would say is not OK to do. And he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be like, oh, wait, Jesus just sinned. Did yeah. he? Did Jesus really sin, or do we have a problem with our theology? Right? Like, do we have a problem? Yeah. With that, right. So. Well, you know, what I tell people is this place is, you know, when if somebody said to me one time, "I'm sorry," because their kids were running in the sanctuary. I said, "Don't be sorry unless you're just worried about them getting hurt." Just like what you said, mm-hmm. I said, "This place is not where the Holy Spirit dwells. He dwells in your heart." And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know." And I just, I just, you know, want to be reverent. And I'm like, hey, they're fine. They're not bothering me. I was sitting there watching. Them. I basically just make sure they didn't get hurt. 
I think he thought that I was getting ready to pounce, you know, like jump on these kids and yell at them. But I was just watching oh, yeah. what they were doing to make sure nobody got hurt. And it was no big deal. Oh, yeah. I have actually joined in playing with kids in the sanctuary. Hey, let's have some fun. And because I think I think this kind of goes back to what Jesus said: don't don't stop the children from coming yeah. to Him. Yeah. Like there's a we have serious problems when we do that. Like Jesus is not against kids, and He's not against kids being kids. Right. Like you know, and I think when we do that, they we if we look at our children, say no running, and then we we label that as a moral in their life. What is that? What's that going to create in their minds as to who God is? Like, I really want to play, but God doesn't like that. Yeah. 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 Like, what? Right. What, what do you mean? Like, yeah, that's how he made you. Like, and so, you know, so we, we start immediately shaping how they think of the father. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize that's what we're doing. We really are trying to have, again, those good intentions. Right. right, Eve had good intentions. She wanted to be like God. That's a that's something God put in her. She just did it the wrong way. Good intentions don't save you, though. Oh no. <laughs> uh. hmm. So I know we started out talking about part two, but we've kind of <laughs> morphed into something else. But hey, it's been good so far. Yeah. Well, I think. So here's part two, right? So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, that that uh, sign of the covenant, that sign of the new covenant that has come in. Mm -hmm. The old covenant, which is related to the understanding of, um, I kind of I kind of must think about it like this: if you don't actually feel the presence of God, what are you going to rely on, so that you know whether you're doing the right or the wrong thing in your life? Well, you have to fall back on the word. And all of a sudden, though, if the only thing that you're relying on is your interpretation of the word, but you don't have the spirit's involvement, hmm. you end up being legalistic. Yeah, because what I was just thinking, you, what the people fall back on is what what's the church teach? Yeah. What and is it, and it's kind of a sign. That's a yeah. sign. Like if, if people if people often come to me and like they're like, I can't hear from God. I keep trying, but I don't hear from God. But and the and you usually see them kind of fall back on what they've been taught and what they assume is God's holiness, what they see in a lot of its legalism a lot of times, and and it's kind of like okay, well, let's actually trust the Holy Spirit to kind of break us out of that and show us not not the Spirit's not trying to get us to sin. I'm not saying He's going against Scripture. I'm saying that He's going to show us how that Scripture applies in our life, yeah, absolutely. in a way that doesn't bind us up but sets us free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've got a question. Yeah. So we, we talked last week a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit, and we talked about that. So the let's talk about a little bit about the fruits of the Spirit. Right. Now, the fruits of the Spirit, do you guys feel like these things are automatically provided to us when we receive the Holy Spirit? Or are these things that have to be refined or that God gives them to us gradually over time? Or do you think that just boom, like let's say if, if somebody's baptized in the Holy Spirit, you think boom, the, the fruits of the Spirit are just fall into their lap. Okay, here's what I believe. And may or may not be what Robert believes, but a, a fruit is something that is produced and it's not produced by us. Like, I can't walk up to an apple tree and say, give me an apple. It takes time to develop that apple, but the tree does the work, not me. Mm -hmm. I can water the tree, I can plant the tree, but the tree is doing the work. So I can't produce love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. I can't produce those things within me. The Holy Spirit is the tree, if you will, producing the fruit that I am bearing by being a Christian. And so do you automatically get those things? I think that 
with the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to produce as you grow in Christ, as you learn to walk with him, as you shed the old life, like on an apple tree. I had an apple tree once and it got so big that the branches started falling off because they got too heavy. I didn't prune it. So as God prunes us, the dead goes away. We produce better fruit. Well, we don't, but the Holy Spirit then produces better fruit in us. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a gift. It is more of a result of a life that is surrendered to God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm in total agreement with that. I think there's a complete difference between gifts and fruit. Yeah. And and it's literally in the word, right? Like fruit we call produce because it's produced. Yeah. Right? And and like I think that's the whole point, right? Like the fruit of the spirit is almost like the character of God. Yeah. He is joyful. He is loving. He is right. He's these things. He's kind, right? Well, we can't have God's nature in that sense without the Holy Spirit. We just don't do well at it. We are sinful and we get worse, not better. And so yeah, I think without the Holy Spirit, those things aren't produced. He has to produce that in you. I think that's part of the struggle as being a believer. So like the the yeah. scripture tells us that like I, a lot of times that's something I brought up to the congregation, one of the one of the kingdom principles or one of the kingdom things that we know is part of Jesus's kingdom is perseverance. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we are praying, God, I just want to I want you to so bless me that I no longer struggle. Hmm. <laughs> and this is something I've come to realize and it's terrible, but it's a truth. God will never take the struggle away. Absolutely. And the reason totally is the scripture even tells us it's part of his kingdom. It is part of his kingdom. He makes us struggle so that we will achieve more. Mm-hmm. He makes, he allows the struggle. And he even tells us in Romans, it says that perseverance produces character, character produces hope, right? Or endurance, and then endurance produces the hope. It does not fail. It actually leads to salvation, right? And so, so perseverance that struggle is necessary to produce that fruit mm-hmm. and and i think you know gifting's different and we talked about the three different types of gifts right manifestation ministerial right and and then so you've got these giftings and god just drops that on you yeah but that's not the way it is with fruit with fruit it's like somebody prays god i need patience and then what is God going to do? And and I'll, you know, people will come and say, "I've been praying for patience, and it just keeps getting worse." <laughs> well, quit praying for patience. Yeah. <laughs> because the reason it's getting worse is because you're praying for a fruit, and He's producing it. Right. So He's waiting for you to produce the patience, right? Like He's giving you trouble, so you will be long suffering. That's what patience means, right? Like long suffering. So He's giving you suffering, so you will be able to go through it for a long time. And not have to worry, right? Like, and so it's like, well, all of a sudden, everybody who's watching just said, well, I'm no, not praying for patience, right? And so we have this situation where anything you pray for that's a fruit, it takes time to produce. And he's going to use struggle to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, pr- if you're asking God, help me to love people, well, what's he going to do? He's going to put you in situations where you have to love like he does in order to produce that character in you, to produce that Holy Spirit fruit in you, to allow it to be surrendered and the Holy Spirit produce that, he's going to put you in front of people that are unloving mm-hmm. so that you love them as he does. And it can also and lead to patience too. Oh, yeah. And so we see that. So all those fruit, right, that, that I do think, uh, whether you pray for it or not, I think he develops that in you anyway. I think yeah. he, yeah. you know, the Holy Spirit does that anyway, but, as we pray for right. it, he, he certainly, he certainly does that as well. So, yeah, I think fruit is produced. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think like a, I would love for God, like if I could just go to God and, and say, you know, Lord, just help me to love everybody, and God would just go, okay, boom, right? I'd be like, yeah. yes, all of a sudden, I just love everybody, right? Yeah. And that's just that's not the way it is, right? And it's, and it's it's actually produced in us. Not that that's a bad thing. That's the way it is supposed to work. That's how God operates. But um, but it's it's not easy to see those things. It takes some pruning. It's a struggle, and uh, we sometimes beat ourselves up over those things when we fail at showing that fruit. 
And in reality, that's it's got to be produced. Right. Got to be produced. And you've got to surrender because if you don't, you're going to produce the fruit of the flesh, which is all those other things before the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 that we don't want. And trust me, we can produce those on our own. (laughs) We we don't need anybody to help Mm -hmm. us with those. We're good at that. But we need the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit in us, the fruit of the spirit in us. Mm-hmm. In that Galatians 5 scripture, in the 5, 22 and 23, uh, Paul even tells us how to do it. Like, um, if you ever wrestled with flesh, and you're like, man, I just wish I didn't do that anymore. Well, Paul t- tells us actually how to stop. He says, walk in the Spirit. Yeah. So there's a there's a active movement toward righteousness. You have to choose it. You have to choose to do something active about it. Or you're, or you're going to produce something terrible. Like, in other words, if I have a problem, if I have a problem with lust, I cannot sit down in my house and go, I'm not going to think about lust. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to end up lusting, right? Because I'm constantly trying not to do something, right? That's like, again, going back to the Pharisee understanding. Like, I'm trying not to do something. God does not want you to be an empty person, he wants you to be a full person, to have fullness. So you cannot empty yourself and have a hole in you. You have to fill it with something. So he will not remove something out of your life, except he replaces it with something of his spirit. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reality is that's kind of what it is. What does Paul say? Well, then walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the lusts of the flesh. So you have to do something actively righteous. I kind of think about this like Joseph. He, you know, is he's in the the house with uh, Potiphar's wife, and the wife is trying to rape him for, you know, you know, just for all intents and purposes. And he's like, "Look, I'm I'm not doing this." <laughs> like, and right. he has to literally run away. Yeah. But notice the activity. <clears throat> notice the activity. He is actively doing something righteous. If he just sits there and says, I can handle this. I'm strong enough as a believer. I can do this. He's going to fall. He's going to fall to temptation. Yeah, we can't lie, rely on our own strength. Mm-mm. And our own abilities. Proverbs 3, 5. Mm-hmm. Lean not right. on your own understanding. Yeah, and when we lean on our own understanding, we're actually in unbelief. Oh, yeah. That's a very good point. There there is no, yeah, if you lean on your own understanding, there's no spirit involvement in that. Yeah. That's all you, right? I mean, if you have your own understanding and knowledge, we know that that's not the Lord. That's you. It doesn't mean it's bad. Like, you could have some good understanding, like two plus two equals four. I do not need the Holy Spirit to tell me that. I can figure that out. But it also doesn't need spirit involvement. I can, he gave me reason. I can figure that out. But um, but the danger is like we also know if it's if we're only trying to do things for the Lord with our own understanding, we know that's not a move of the Spirit, right? Yeah, there's a difference between acting in faith and and doing things on your own in your own will and your own understanding. Okay, so now I'm going to ask a question. Okay, I'm going to ask a question that we kind of started off with here at the beginning. So we're talking about the new covenant, part two. And we're all we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, now the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and all of that and how great that is. How do you recognize when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you? Mm. How do you recognize when he's speaking to you? Is that yeah. what you said? Because yeah, I, I mean, if listen, if I'm a guy watching this podcast, that's going to be. I want to know how it's applied practically. How can I know Holy Spirit speaking to me, and it's not myself? Mm. It's not my own voice, but His. Yeah. Well, and and it's different for everybody, I believe. But for me, and I believe this is probably true for a lot of people. <clears throat> I probably initially don't want to do it. It's probably something that I don't want to do that I know that God is leading me to do. 
if almost and it, and that's not a, a catch-all okay but that happens to me a lot and i have to go to god and say okay god are you telling me to do this um another thing is he's not going to go against the word of god god mm-hmm. he'll never tell you to do something that goes against the word of god never mm-hmm. um and another way is it this is what a lot of people will understand is they'll call it a gut feeling i just it's just a compelling over and over again doesn't go away that this is something i should do or this is something i believe or i'm hearing or whatever and you know you can do something about that you can say god if that's not you take it away and if it you never think about it again it wasn't god but if it keeps coming Mm -hmm. i'd be going to god saying hey all right help me surrender to do this yeah and it boy it's it's hard to explain you know uh there are times like i i've been accused of being a prophet i don't call myself that but i've been accused <laughs> of having that gift at times and and there were literally times like i'd be just driving along driving driving down the road and bam i'll have words start just coming uh, I'll have a paragraph or, um, you know, a, whatever. It, it might be a sentence. It might be a phrase. It might be a paragraph. It might be a little longer. Um, I remember one time specifically, um, I, I was driving home one night, and, and uh, Phil and Ian and I had been in a conversation, or maybe we recorded an uplift or something, and I was driving home, and – I I just get this feeling that comes on me where it's like, okay, I'm going to hear from the Lord. And I can't explain it, but it's Phil used the term signature. Phil mm-hmm. Phil at one point used the term that, you know, when he feels like when the when when God speaks to him that there's a signature to it. Well, when when I feel like I'm getting a word from God, there's a signature. I'll just have this this knowing that okay, a word is coming. And words, individual words will just start coming. And I know at that point that I better be ready to, to write things down, however that is, on my phone or on pencil and paper or whatever. But that, that particular night, this is an example, I was driving home and a couple words started coming to my mind. And it's like, okay, I pull off at the gas station, get my phone out, boom, here comes a, like a big long paragraph. And it's words that I don't use. It's language that I don't use. That's and good. and so that could be a good indication as well. So like if you if if you know your personality and your normal thought pattern through the day, um, if you seek God or if you pray about something and you're asking for, you know, answers and that sort of thing, and you have um, words that come to you. Uh, or phrases that come to you that you would never use in your language. And they're, you know, you're not going to find them necessarily in the scripture, but let's say they align with what would be in scripture. That's a good way that I would explain that you're hearing from God. Mm-hmm. And it, a, a lot of this just comes from experience. You know, it's hard to explain to a, a relatively new Christian about this. There's a lot of practice. Like we were just talking about a minute ago with the with the, the fruits of the Spirit and how those fruits grow and that sort of thing. Let's take this a step further and compare hearing from God as a reaping and sowing kind of a concept. So it's a matter, like Phil said, you got to pray about it and ask God, is this from you or is this not? And it, it just comes with experience. And so when you plant the seeds of having the relationship with God and investing, that might be a bad way of saying it, but investing in your relationship with God or planting the seeds and in, in, in speaking to God every day, then when you start hearing from him, you you just start having a knowing of what when he answers you and and 
the signature that Phil talked about, that signature, which is different for each person. And it's so hard for anybody to explain. You know, when, when I was just starting out in this, uh, uh, reacquainting myself with God, let's say, a couple years ago, you know, I was trying to listen to all these pastors and, and try to understand and get them to explain to me um, how they heard from God. So, you know, I reached out to Phil and I reached out to Ian and I was listening to, you know, Derek Prince and Andrew Womack and all these people. And I'm listening to their stuff, trying to, to figure out how do how do these people know what what and when God is talking to them. And, you know, they 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 all kind of tried to talk about it or they tried to explain it, but it just didn't register to me. And I think it's just because you, you can't explain how you hear from God and your relationship with God. You just have to experience it yourself. Yeah. So I encourage people to do that. I encourage people to plant those seeds and pray to God and say, God, I want to hear you and I want to know that it's you. And plant those seeds and pray about that. And then over a course of time, back to your point about persistence, be persistent, and eventually you will know. Yeah. And I think, so what do I you think, say, Robert? I think, I think listening is a uh, skill. Yeah. Right. I think I think a lot of times we have people that kind of make the assumption that you know, we even do this in school, right? We're like, oh, that kid listens really well, or that one doesn't, and they all have the same opportunity, the same ability. It's just that how often have they practiced it? Right. And so the more you practice it, your ability to listen and understand, the better you become at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I think that works the same way with the Holy Spirit as kind of what you guys were saying. I think our spirit bears witness with his spirit. And so there's a knowing, as you were mentioning, he'll mm -hmm. never go against his word, never go against the scripture. So we know that like. Uh, God is never going to tell you to do something that would be against him, what he would tell you to do, uh, what he's already written. Uh, we know uh, that in in hearing those things, you, you may hear a voice and you go, wow, that, you know, that is the Lord. And you just have that known. Or you may read something in Scripture and it pops off off the page, right? Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh. So God speaks in all kinds of ways. So you may go to church and somebody may speak into your life and mm -hmm. you know that's the holy spirit because man it just it was they may bring something up that the lord was already dealing with you about or something like that and you just know that's the holy spirit um so he uses all kinds of things right all kinds of ways to talk to us um i think there are i think there is the occasion where people can be so desperate to hear from god that they they just make stuff up and mm -hmm. I think there's a danger in that. I think there's people who are trying to be so sensitive to the Lord. They're super sensitive. And they're saying things that they're saying that God has said things he's never really said. I think there's all of that. There's a there's a definitely a balance to it, just like you would do that anytime. Um and I, I think I've found in my life um that I the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I desire to hear from him more. And so my prayer life is changing. My prayer life when I was younger, when I was first saved, was I was doing all the talking, telling God what I wanted. Um, my prayer life now is, God, what what can you tell me? Like, what? Mm -hmm. tell me whatever you want to say, because that moment, just that one word that you speak changes my life. And so you go ahead and you just have your way, right? And all of a sudden, it's a practice in killing myself. Like it's a practice in allowing myself to die that the Holy Spirit may live through me. And so it's kind of like picking up that cross. And, and so prayer life has become, you know, learning to distinguish between a desire Robert Johnson has versus a desire that the Holy Spirit has. And, uh, and so, you know, I know, I know in those moments, like those are so important. And I think that it just, like you guys were saying, it, it is a it is a practice in spirituality. I think we don't like to think of of spirituality as a discipline, but it it is on many in many ways. It's a discipline. You know, you said something really important. 
whether you realize you said it or not, at one point you said just that one word. And a lot of times just one word just mm -hmm. speaks so much. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you hear the same word over and over and you just know it's God and it's just, and from there your mind, well, the Holy Spirit's working. He's expanding your mind so you know what he is trying to say just from that one word. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And I like one thing you said a minute ago too. You said sometimes things are highlighted or things will pop out at you. And, and <clears throat> I've, I've not experienced things being like highlighted in yellow <laughs> when I'm reading or anything, but I've literally had words like pop up and be magnified and I can't explain it. You guys probably maybe have experienced this yourselves, but you're reading and just, just that, like you said, that one word will just sort of like pop off the page and just be magnified in your face. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I I messed up with was I was just cramming myself full of stuff. So like I was listening every free minute. Like I was I'd have my earbuds in and I had people talking, pastors and sermons and all this stuff. And because I was hungry and that was great. I was hungry to hear the word and hear all kinds of people's different interpretations and I was discerning what they were saying and all these things and but you know who I wasn't hearing from was God because I had all this stuff coming at me. <laughs> yeah. you know, I was listening to Phil and I was listening to Andrew Walmack and I'm listening to, you know, uh, you name it. I'm listening to all these people. And at one point um, when I did actually have something turned off for 30 seconds, God's like, stop listening to men. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, because I wasn't getting what I was looking for. I wasn't hearing from God about things that I was praying for, and He was like, "Stop listening to men." Why did Jesus? Why did Jesus walk away from crowds to go and pray to the Father? Why does He seclude Himself? Because there's too many voices in our world. We still have yeah. the same problem today. There's still too many voices, yeah. especially with social media and internet. And so what people are doing is their their whole life is just flooded with voices. And there's this this practice of solitude that needs to happen, this practice of peace. Right? Like you just have to pull away and it's if if there's if there's times in your life where you just can't pull away, like you just cannot get away from things, I promise you you will become mo mo the most frustrated in your life in those moments. Because it's a, it should be a regular practice of a believer to pull away from society, pull away from the world, so you can train your ear to hear one voice, his. Amen. And that, that is so important. When we don't have that, at least I noticed this in my life, when, when I do not have that, I become angry, I become frustrated, I become depressed. Uh, you know, I just feel like there's no purpose. You know, all these kind of things start flooding in, right? And then, oh, the dangerous part, you start watching the news on, on top of that. Oh, man, then you just, you know, who knows what... The, because it, it you're watching a world that's out of control in their mind. They, there's nothing that makes sense. So they're just flooding you with junk. But hmm. our God's in control. Amen. There's nothing that's happening that he doesn't already know. It's kind of like we, you know, we joke around, you know, we go to prayer and we tell God everything that's happening because, you know, he didn't know it to begin with. Right. Yeah. And so like we have to explain the play by play. Right. And like God already knows <laughs> what the play has been. Right. And and so, um, you know, it's just I think the reality is we just listen to that one voice and you'll find out that God is very encouraging. He, he's he's not worried. You know, like we're we're worried about the world. He's yeah. not worried, right? He already knows what's going to happen. He already knows what he's doing. The plan's set. He's not worried. Yep. We're worried, right? And and so we've just got to realize, like, our God does not deal with those things, um, like we are, right? So he, what does he give to us? all those things we need like he when we can hear his voice it's a totally different situation it's a that relationship is the one relationship we must have 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. My turn. And, oh, go ahead, Chad. Well, I was just going to say real quick, the other thing that will happen is a, very often you'll get confirmation. So yeah. just the other day, the throughout the day, several times, it, uh, it was actually last weekend, I heard – I heard these these words, and I just heard them all day long. The whisper is becoming a roar. The whisper is becoming a roar. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I don't know what that means. But the next day, I heard a, a pastor, and he stood, he stood up in his service, and he said, the whisper is becoming a roar. And I'm like, Okay, that's confirmation. I still don't have any clue what that means, really. I mean, I would be I would be speculating on my own and trying to rely on my own understanding to interpret what that means. He hasn't told me what that means yet. Mm-hmm. But so very so often, when we get an answer from the Lord, then you'll get a confirmation. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So I've got a question now. Do you guys know what time it is? <laughs> it's probably been an hour <laughs> it's been it's getting close let's see where are we um yeah we're getting very close to that but hey you know i was thinking maybe next week we can talk about what we just kind of touched on here about the uh, the busyness and the cluttering our minds and um how to clear it out and just listen to god better you know that might be a good topic for net- next week if we remember yeah. what do you think i think it'd be great yeah i think that sounds good yeah okay all right well let's let's plan on doing that then next week yeah i'll be here as long as i don't get sick again but um you guys did a great job last week by the way i really enjoyed that show you got it was good it was really good we had a good time it was good yeah it was really really good all right guys well we probably should cut it off there Mm -hmm. but uh we will pick this up again next week part three what do you think? Sounds great. Declutter. Right. Declutter. Declutter. Yeah, declutter. Great. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Have a great Have day. Have a great week.